If you're an Android user and you are looking for a new app to download your podcasts, I recommend you check out the Podcast Republic app. Go to the Google Play Store, download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app. You get all of your stuff right in one place on your Android devices. Uh, you search for the show that you like. You make it a favorite. So please make Dissecting the 80s one of your favorites. And it downloads them for you, and you'll have them all just a click away. Once again, that's the Podcast Republic app for your Android devices. Hey folks, we are entering the holiday season, and I don't know about you, but it is tough to shop for gifts. So if you're wondering like, oh my gosh, what should I get for my favorite podcasting duo? That's easy. You could just subscribe to our Patreon. In fact, if you jump on now at the $5 level, you get a bonus episode right away. You thought I was selling you some product I think probably by the tone of my voice, but I'm hoping that like this bit of me. I mean, in a way you are. <laughs> no, I know, but I was doing like pitch man voice, expecting you me to be like 1-800 or, or edible or like lose cause. <laughs> yes. I'm, there's going to be so many bleeps in this. Yeah. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash dissecting the eighties. There are a lot of really great rewards and we're very, very close uh, at the time of this recording, which is October, we're very, very close to unlocking a bonus episode for all supporters. I was under $20 today. So if you haven't yet done it, please do that. Also, thank you to listener Lynn for jumping on the board. Ooh. That's that's our mother this late in the Patreon supporter game. So all of you out there who subscribed already beat our mom to the punch. Yes, you did. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, a man who knows by the time you've gotten to the third film in your franchise, you've got to rejigger what you do in your movies. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. And uh, this was a chore to watch for me. It's just, <laughs> it's like 20 minutes too long. It's indeed 20 minutes, if not 30 minutes too long. Uh, this is available for free legally on YouTube. It is because Creed 2 comes out soon. It's not exactly lined up, but I want an excuse to do a Rocky movie, so we're doing it now. I think Creed comes out over Thanksgiving. This is Rocky 3, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's you. Something's gotta be done about you. <laughs> when the mega powers explode I'm talking about the 80s Great Scott Cream of the crop Oh, 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 oh yeah Mega powers, yeah When this baby hits 88 miles per hour You're gonna see some serious shit That was a <laughs> Sylvester Stallone Joke. I just want yes. to be very clear that I wasn't being <laughs> offensive to anyone yeah. but Sylvester Stallone. Yes, indeed, that was a a uh, narrow dig, a dig at just the just the guy who also wrote and directed this one. You you got lightning in a bottle once. Let's just put that bottle on a shelf and <laughs> not try and make more <laughs> bottles. So this starts with a grunting audio montage. It's just like a static shot of a title belt and just grunting sounds. And then we get to our montage. But the first part is like almost porn outtakes. It's like... I mean, a lot deeply... of Rocky movie, the Rocky movies that I've seen have been borderline porn. But it's so weird Porn-derline. to just have the like... T- 
borderline. It's so weird to just have those grunts in there, which is like, uh, 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 uh. There's also a lot of crop tops, a lot of short shorts, and a lot of everyone in this movie men. dresses like you. Yes, every single person in this note. movie, every man in this movie except Paulie dresses like you. It's and crazy. Thank God for that. <laughs> no body shaming. I just hate Polly. <laughs> crop tops, tank tops, short shorts, high socks. It's just like your wardrobe. It's my aesthetic. Your, your entire wardrobe is from 1983 boxing films. Actually, I mean, nineteen the 1980s in general, if you there, really look at it. There are at least three outfits in this movie that I, like, top to bottom, tip to tails, have seen you wear. Yeah, I noticed one of them on Apollo Creed. Yeah, it's buck wild. So we start with a previously on Rocky montage, as you would expect, and they catch us up to the fact that, you know, Rocky has won the title, and it's the ugliest championship belt I've ever seen it's in anything. It's not memorable by any stretch. But it's, it's it's it looks like a piece of leftover bunting that they like rolled up <laughs> into a belt and stapled plates to. It's very cheap. Yeah, I guess. It's it's not like a leather strap. It's like a weird saggy cloth that's red, white, and blue. It's a sad belt. It's a sad title. It's belt. basically the uh, the spirit Halloween generic version of a title belt. Indeed, it ties Indeed. in the it's... back. It doesn't actually buckle. Yeah. Exactly. It, it needed to be a leather strap and a much nicer looking belt, for sure. So basically, everything about it needed to change. I mean, yeah. I could say that about most of this movie, though. I mean, yeah. So this <laughs> it's funny that like this is the movie where the two iconic Rocky, th- three iconic Rocky things, I guess, come from, which to me is Eye of the Tiger... Yeah. The statue, I guess also because I live in Philly that like... Yeah. That's a- Put a pin in the statue because I have some things that I want oh, to bring up. We'll get me there. Me too. We'll get there. And third, Rocky in the American flag shorts. And uh, additionally, I pity the fool, the catchphrase from Mr. T. I See, I, I assumed that was his catchphrase before this movie. It, th- this is his first role. Wait, he wasn't on the A-team first? This nope. was his first? This, I oh, believe, comes I before the A-team. I fully assumed that this was just, like, kind of stunty casting, because we were at the I third. spent, I spent, like, a half an hour researching this today, and now you've made me second-guess myself, so just give me one second. But I did, like, a ton of research on this movie. I fell down some Wikipedia It's technically holes. not his first role, but it, it was before the A-team. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Because the thing I read today said he got cast in the movie because Stallone saw him on a television show called um twilight theater silver spoons no it was a a reality show oh where he was a boxer or he was boxing on it so it was called america's toughest bouncer it was a segment of an nbc show called games people play stallone saw him and originally was like oh i love this guy i'm gonna put him in my movie and so he gave him like a couple lines originally and then as they i don't know if they became friends or what but it eventually evolved to like oh no he's gonna be the lead which is okay so that changes a lot of my perspective because i assumed it was stunt casting and they were like we don't think mr t can really act so let's just make him the most one-dimensional you know boring villain which annoyed me because i was like he's one of three people in this movie that a i can understand 90 percent of the time and b is like feels like there's something compelling under that like he's charming mr t is very charismatic and like i just yeah. like i want to listen to him i want to see him do stuff 
And I was like, why? He's, it's just, he's so boringly written and one dimensional. And I was like, come on. Like, we couldn't get another Apollo situation where he's like cool and hip and like is a character. Right. It, it, this whole movie, every single character in this movie, it reminds me of that old joke that people, I, I've never actually been a Simpsons watcher, but I know this bit because I've heard people repeat it ad nauseum where it's like, we want them to talk about Poochie. And if they're not talking about Poochie, they should be thinking about talking about Poochie. And the audience should be wondering, where's Poochie? And if you put Rocky in there, that is this movie in a nutshell. Yeah. Every, th- this movie needs like a Rocky test where it's like, I don't think any two characters in this movie ever have a conversation that's not about Rocky or that Rocky's not a part of the conversation. This whole movie is shot reverse shot of Rocky and other people having conversations. And when he's not in them, they're talking about Rocky. Like the whole thing is so there's no other story that's allowed to happen because it's only the narrative about rocky that we get to see it's and that's why i think it's super boring because he is an unintelligible like he looks like swamp thing but it's also the problem is there's a story of rocky that the audience wants to see and it's rocky being this like lovable schlub who overachieves and so like the first movie is about him just trying to go the distance with Apollo. And then the second movie, it's, oh my God, he overcame all of the odds and he won the title. But now this movie is trying to be a meditation on what happens after you've achieved success and how do you like redefine success for yourself after you've achieved it. And that is a really interesting story, but that is not the one that they tell effectively in this movie. No. And I, I just kept saying like, if, if Rocky was played by a competent actor, I would be so much more like if this was a Chris Evans type, like a good actor and Jack, like I believed that he could be a, a, a physical bo- like a boxer. I'm into it. I'm here for it. But I, I, there's Here's, no pathos he, with Sylvester Stallone. I, I, honestly, I don't even know that it's Sylvester Stallone. I think it's because Sylvester Stallone wrote, acted and directed this movie. Wrote in. Di- sorry. <laughs> wrote, directed and starred in this movie. Oh, because- I did not know. He, I didn't realize he directed too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, you can't have – there's no one on set to be like, hey, this stinks when it's he's the writer, director, and the lead. It's like there's no there's no barrier, right? There's no, yeah. there's no ability to go in and fix things like that. And so I would argue that in the first Rocky, which is not directed by him, his performance is legitimately great. And then even crazier enough, he's awesome in Creed and was like very well deserving of the Oscar nomination he got. So it's he's capable of it, but I don't think he can direct it out of himself. No, because I, I also feel like this is firmly in like, I, I don't know why. I mean, I do know why. They're very similar types. I equate him with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like they're both the same amount, like the same percentage easy to understand. They're both jacked like marble, chiseled out of marble gods. And they're both in generally pretty easy one-note stuff in this period. Agreed. Agreed. And so my my little lizard brain goes to the the Arnold like quotes from Predator where he's like, I think the movie was successful because the bed was so big and muscly. Right. And I'm like, that's just to me. I'm like, oh, that's probably what Sylvester Stallone thinks. Like... I, I survived the movie. He was uh, he fought, he punched real good, and that's what people yeah. want to see the whole time. Right, right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, like I don't think Stallone is an incredibly versatile actor, but I think he can do one thing really good, and it's 
Rocky type characters, but I don't know that he know like his direction of himself was poor in this for sure. Yes. But let's 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 get the train rolling and we can come back to some of these things as we go. So we do a montage of spinning newspapers that's just like Rocky exclusively winning his boxing matches by knockout, which and is hilarious. The Muppet Show. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, why aren't we watching the Muppet Show instead? <laughs> So, funnily enough, that's the actual clip of when Stallone guested on The Muppet Show, and they just had Jim Henson go back and cut in Rocky Balboa instead of Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of clever. But so he he literally, like, I'm not a big boxing fan. I don't really like combat sports. I don't think I could watch, I don't like, I don't even pay-per-view, but not even in person at all. I don't think I could watch a boxing match. I think it's, it would, it wouldn't be too visceral. It, it's less so because you it's not like this at all. So I've watched a couple like over the course of life, like getting invited to a, a big match or something like that. And I, I would say I've watched maybe three boxing matches ever and that's being generous, but it's so weird to watch real boxing after you've watched movie boxing because it sounds so loud and bone crunchy and like, and when you watch it on TV, there's no, like none of that. Well, there's no microphone in the ring. Right, right. But it also just doesn't feel as barbaric as it does in movies because in real boxing matches, there's actual strategy and there's a lot of like close up, like little punches to like find space to try to throw your big punches. And in the, in the Rocky movies, it's just all haymakers. Like it's just swing as hard as you possibly can in the biggest possible arc you can, either uppercut or a hook. But it's just like, woof. Woof, woof, and it's just these huge, huge punches. But it's in reality, you, logic. you would punch yourself out in thirty seconds. Like no one could fight like this for fifteen rounds. Nobody. Yeah, because our boxing matches are effing long, aren't they? In they can be quite long. Yes. Oh God. We also get two title cards. Did you notice that? I did. I thought that was really weird. What was up with that? But uh, this montage is just exclusively Rocky winning all these fights by knockout, and he's like. On Easy Street, he's defended the title 10 times. We're supposed to get through this montage. I didn't notice it. I don't know if I was taking a note, but this montage is supposed to be three years worth of title defenses. Oh, I missed that completely. Okay, so I I later learned that. Also, I don't care, so. Well, this is true. (laughs) But we go from that to, like, Paulie is at a bar and he's drunk and miserable. And we, but we've established we've we, in Rocky Four like half of what we talked about was Paulie being a complete shit, and he is. He sucks. He sucks hard. He's, he's the worst. Like garbage under your foot in an alley, and you're like, ugh. And uh, not for nothing, but in the original movie, he's like you know a supportive person, and he's Rocky's friend, and he is one of Rocky's only actual friends, and introduces Rocky to Adrian, his sister, and they end up, you know, falling in love, and blah, blah, blah. And then he becomes just this bitter, jaded monster person, basically. I don't understand, like, I... As someone who I don't think I've seen Rocky 1 all the way through, and if I have, it's been a long time, I have no frame of reference for that, so all I see is just this, like, shitty, bitter... Uh, uh, jealous, garbage, racist monster who does nothing yeah. but drink and complain and not take anything as seriously as it needs to be. Agreed. And he just needs a punch. He needs a punch in the face and like get out of my house, sober up, and come back when you're cleaned up. Yeah. Or hey, I'm gonna put you in rehab or something. Like you need to go to an AA meeting. You're a mess. Yeah. 
but what happens instead is he's at this bar and the bartender's like, hey, Polly, give Rocky our best, would you? And it's just this like innocuous little comment. And he's like, I've been coming here for years. How about you give me your best? And he's like wandering drunk. But there's this amazing scene where he goes into the arcade and he's looking around as if it's Aladdin entering the Cave of Wonders. I was like, like is this about to be the wizard? Because like, I'm not yeah. mad if this movie is half the wizard and half a Rocky movie. <laughs> if, if it's, or like, Polly is a savant at some weird video game and it causes like friction between him and Rocky. Yeah, he's like doing, he's like got a light shooter, like a light arcade game. I'm yeah, not yeah, yeah. But no, he's walking through this arcade, and it like it seriously looks like when you set a child loose in an arcade and give him a bag of quarters. Like it's pure under pure joy. Yeah, yeah, pure joy. And then he sees the Rocky pinball machine, which I'm not sure why that would exist. To be quite honest with you, but okay. I mean, I guess in the in the mythos in the kayfabe, as it will we'll use some you know wrestling. Yeah, terms. in the kayfabe. In the kayfabe. Yeah. This is basically a wrestling movie. So of all no, the movies we've ever covered, thing. this if is... If it yeah. was a wrestling movie, I would be into it because Clubber Lang is more WWE than he is yes. boxing. And it annoys yes. me that... Whatever, we'll get there. Because it, it's supposed to be Philly, right? Like this movie it is, Philly. is mostly set in Philly, right? It's Other 100% like, set in Philly. The big fight takes place at the Spectrum. The first time. Yeah, the big fight is at the Spectrum. Well, the second one's in Madison Square Garden. Right, 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 right. But the first, the big, the first fight is at the Spectrum. Okay, race. just to double check. The one so, where he has the heart attack. It would make sense that, you know, they would make a, a Rocky, there would, like, some arcade would be like, we got the Rocky pinball game next to Geno's. It makes much more sense that it would be, like, a signed Rocky poster that you can redeem your tickets for in the kayfabe of the movie. I guess. I mean, obviously, it was just a Rocky like there One was... pinball machine that they just were like, right. we're going to yeah, use it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And that's it's a like... thing that I don't... I don't know if every young listener rem- knows that that's a thing, <laughs> that there used to be pinball machines inspired by movies. And Yes, there still are. They... So a pinball machine... They're going to get a real deep cut. <laughs> are you going to describe what a pinball no, machine is? Because no. I don't think you need to go no, that no, no, far. No. Okay. So a pinball machine at... At the roller rink where you used to play hockey, uh huh, is the reason it, it was a Stargate pinball machine, and I was like, <laughs> "What is this? It's covered oh, in ancient Egypt." I'm learning things. Yeah, it was like I was like, "It's all this ancient Egypt stuff," and I loved ancient Egypt, so I like looked it up, and I was like, "It's a movie. I want to watch this movie now." And I, the only reason I ever watched Stargate is because I played the pinball machine first. <laughs> B- the moral of the story is uh, sometimes they work as effective advertising 20 years later, 10 years later. It, yeah, no, absolutely. I still get excited when I see the Jurassic Park pinball game with that <gasps> T-Rex head in oh, there. I want to play that. Yeah, it's fun as hell. Well, you got to come down and come to the pinball place I keep telling you about. Okay, will do. Anyway, Polly loves arcades, but he hates Rocky, so he throws his illegally snuck into the arcade booze through it, and then wakes up in jail to where Stallone is like wearing this 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 suit. Again, okay, I, I'm gonna pause right here. I'm sorry. This movie is 100% a wrestling movie. Stallone wearing a suit looks like every wrestler wearing a suit, where it's like, that doesn't belong on that body. Like, you look like a refrigerator <laughs> loosely wrapped in an overcoat. What are we doing here? <laughs> Because he's huge in this movie. He's almost like post-steroids old man huge in this movie, in fact. Yeah. 
Like muscle wise, he's jacked. He's apparently the lowest body fat he ever had. He's only two point eight percent body fat in this movie. Honestly, everyone looks. This whole movie is just dudes at like less than five percent body fat, and yep. I don't even know how to handle it. Very vascular dudes. Even that. Scene, so they later go to a, a predominantly, or I guess exclusively, black gym in L.A. Is it? Yeah, they go to L.A. L.A. It's a sea of no body fat. No body fat. And I was just like, <laughs> it's just what? no body fat. None of these people have ever had a cracker. Oh, they haven't even looked at pasta. So he smashes this up. Rocky comes in wearing this ridiculous suit to, to bail him out of jail. And they're in the, the garage. And Rocky, Rocky is like, you're a mess. Like, you're a thing. And Polly starts, like, raking him over the coals being like, what have you done for me? I did everything for you, and you're—I even introduced you to my sister, and then you moved Mickey into your house. But what do I get? And and Rocky very much is like, you're like a grown ass man with a job. Why do I have to do that? Like, get out of here. I also and appreciate then that you're distilling this nonsense mumble. Oh my god, it takes so long to get to the point. It's like a, it's shot reverse shot for like six full minutes of them being like. I don't know what you say, Polly. It's, it's slurring. Like... It's slurring ass Polly <laughs> and marble mouth Sylvester Stallone being like, "Is is gonna get everybody else?" Where's Polly's shot at some stuff? And then Rocky eventually gets to, uh, friends don't owe. They do because they want to. And it's like, okay, good sentiment there. And then Polly's like. I'm gonna punch you, and he throws a bunch of punches to which Stallone just like easily blocks, and then it's like, "Can you give me a job?" And Stallone's like, oh, "I thought you'd never ask." Like, what is this? And then the scene buttons with "Nice car." Do you have another one? You move for me. I hate yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, and Rocky at one point calls him a jealous, lazy bum. All of which is accurate. Hundred percent true. He left out racist, which is, I want to emphasize, Super really important racist. how overly, overtly racist this character is in this movie. And it's just not necessary. It's just not necessary. It, I, it the, isn't. And, it, like, good on the black characters for not decking the F out of this meatball. I wanted someone to punch Polly's fat walrus face in. I just I, wanted it punched in. I didn't in. want it to be Apollo, because I feel like Apollo's, like, too good for that. But I wanted his trainer to just be like, yeah. boom! Duke! Yeah, yeah. I wanted Duke just to pop him one. Like, you, you mooch. So we cut to Rocky in bed with Adrian, master of seduction. <laughs> this scene doesn't... No. I don't, I don't... It's not gross. Like, they're not boning. It's no, it's not just, disgusting. Like, a couple in bed being yeah. sweet. But there's no chemistry, and you can't understand him, and it offers nothing to the plot. And I was just like, can we move along? <laughs> My favorite part about it, though, is he's, like, trying to be sexy to her. He starts singing a song, and he's like, basically, he's like, hey, drop me a beat. And she starts doing it, and he's like, no, no, like this. And he, like, gives her a beat to sing. So she's doing, it's like the equivalent of an old 60s doo wop song where, you know, the backup singers are like, sha-na-na-na. Sha-na-na-na. and he's like singing and then she does her part and they're going back and forth and it's like why am i watching sylvester stallone sing as rocky in bed with his wife like, why is this in here who is this for this doesn't add anything so we find out that rocky is re- wrestling or fighting i guess a wrestler because he basically invented ufc it drove me nuts that they were like oh he's gonna fight a wrestler and i was like so are they both gonna box are they both going to wrestle? <laughs> Turns Neither out is one the of them is wrestling and one of them is boxing. <laughs> yes, yes. He gets in the ring with boxing gloves on. Like, you might as well be like, here, 
you with a hockey stick and ice skates are going to face off against this lacrosse player with a lacrosse stick. Have fun. Yeah. There is the best the best moment of the whole movie in this scene. So Rocky comes in the ring and then Hogan is making his way to the ring and it's Hulk Hogan as Thunderlips. Garbage monster Hulk yeah. Hogan. It's just a movie full of racists. It's just a bag of racists. That's right. It's just a bag of racists. But <laughs> the worst selling holiday toy. <laughs> Get your kid a bag of racists. That sounds like one of those toys from the uh, Dan Aykroyd SNL bag of glass. (laughs) They love it. Yeah, yeah. But Mickey, uh, Burgess Meredith, says to Rocky, like, hey, Bob Hope would never do this. Or no, he's like, "Ah, this is crazy. Don't do this for charity. And uh, Stallone's like, Bob Hope would do this for charity. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And it just cuts away. But there's this, like, beautiful moment of Mickey being like real curmudgeonly and then like wistfully thinking about Bob Hope and he gets so happy and it's just like such a great little moment from Burgess Meredith. Like, again, I don't know why it's in the movie, but it's just like the movie just takes a second to turn out to the audience and be like, hey, Bob Hope's a pretty cool guy, yeah? And the audience, yeah, like I don't know why that's here, but I love it very much. Is, Is Garbage Monster Hulk Hogan that tall? He, so he used to be, he has like degenerative back things and is literally shorter now than he used to be because of it. That that. that leg drop destroyed his hips and back. Oh. Yeah. I, before I found out he was a racist monster, I had read interviews with him where he was like, I don't understand why I even thought of that. Like my whole gimmick was having these huge arms and shoulders. And then my finishing move was a leg drop. Like it doesn't even make sense. That was a weird one. But he's like, it just destroyed my, like, his hip sockets and his his uh, discs in his back. Like, all of that stuff was just ruined from years of doing that. So he was, like, 6'8 or 6'9, and now I think he's probably 6'4. Okay. That makes sense. Because I, I just, I've never pictured him as being tall. But they also, in this movie, say he's, like, basically 7 feet tall, and they might have given him lifts or something. But they especially emphasize his height because Stallone is so shrimpy. <laughs> Like Stallone IRL is like five ten from what I understand. Maybe. And he's wearing some heels in this movie. Oh, for sure his boots have lifts. For sure, for sure they do. Look, there's a seat you can see them in one scene. He like walks, he's wearing a suit, and I was like, those are definitely at least two inch heels. Oh, they had like a like it a cowboy booty type. Like a Chelsea, on them? Yeah, like a Chelsea boot, like little lifts, and I was like, girl, I see you. I know what you're doing. Also, can we talk about how Thunder Lips is the most obviously created by Sylvester Stallone name of a character in the history of cinema? It's gross sounding. But like, I don't, it's, they, they bill him as like a sexy guy, like for you wrestling fans out there, like a Rick Rude type, like a real, like, oh, I'm going to come into town and seduce all your women and beat up all your men. Like that was his the gimmick of Thunder Lips is very much like that. But it's like. Thunder Lips doesn't like is it supposed to be like he's a good kisser cuz like it sounds like he just kisses people real forcefully like that's not necessarily a good thing I mean based on the garbage monster that we know now <laughs> yeah who Accurate, knows probably yeah um, yeah but he's he I just his hair is the grossest <laughs> he looks he like he actually still has all this is all he real He looks Hogan like Riff Raff from Rocky Horror <laughs> It's it was always bad, and it never got better. Like it's, it's very plasticky, like stringy and thin yeah. and dry, yeah. and like he had, <laughs> dead. Yeah. He he's literally riffraff. I assumed the the bleaching just destroyed his hair. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, it's definitely his hair is 
straw. Like, you could use his hair to sweep up your floor. Right. So they get in the ring, and Rocky's like, hey, uh, why don't we just do, like, a little uh, little show? I'll do a little chasing, you do a little chasing, we'll do this thing, bing, bang, boom, we're out of here. And Hogan just proceeds to beat the piss out of him. There's a 0% chance that this wouldn't have been fully scripted and staged. Oh, for sure. Like, because... Neither it's one of them would have lost. It would have been, right. it would have been like, oh, it's a draw. Like they're both too tired to keep going. Yeah, it would have been a time limit draw for sure. Also, I don't want to neglect to mention the guy who is the announcer for this match, who like introduces the two of them. The guy in the ring has maybe the greatest mustache I've ever seen. He, oh, I don't remember. I'll have to look, go back. He he has like a. It looks like someone who had a full beard and a mustache that like perfectly connected, and then he decided just to shave the beard off so that the the mustache goes from his lip out onto his cheek for like a solid three inches. And it's just all beard hair. That oh, just yes, yes, into yes. This mm-hmm. ex- yeah. So they have this huge fight. Uh, literally it's Polly with a chair. <laughs> yes, yes. Before that, uh, Hogan throws Rocky into the crowd and Rocky's like frantically cutting his gloves off. And Hogan gets in the crowd and just starts wailing on people. These cops are trying to stop him and he picks up a cop this and throws him. Stupidest, craziest thing I've ever seen. But it's he also charity. this is a charity fight, right? <laughs> but also, I love that like Stallone let his stunt double take all these wrestling bumps. That like Rocky got to be this is the only vulnerability Rocky had is like he got beat up and then he gets. I guess he loses the match later, but he gets like suplex. It's just like a clinic of wrestling moves from Hulk Hogan on this you know, random stunt person. And then we're supposed to believe that Rocky lifted Hulk Hogan over his head. Yeah, it's really surprising that that, that works. Also, <laughs> I was like, no, th- he is f- a full foot and a half taller than you. <laughs> a full hundred pounds heavier than you. In the, in the movie, you. they say he weighs almost 400 pounds. Yeah, the movie says he's twice your weight. So, <laughs> Literally twice, yes. So no, buddy. Um, eventually, it ends with just like a draw, and then Hogan immediately is like, hey, good game, buddy. And they take a picture together, which is very bizarre. No one acknowledges that he's a psychopath? Right. Cut to Rocky's mansion. And I had this thought, and I don't I do know if like we talked about this. I do well, like I, I'm about to rag on it, so I apologize. So this is kind of coming at you, too. I, I don't know if we talked about this when we did Rocky Four, but Rocky's mansion is such little kid wish fulfillment of what being a rich person is like. It's like blank check. Go on. It's like the house is so ridiculous. It's like all these re- these children's toys, basically, that Rocky has. Like, there's a nice pool, of course. And the other one, we see the robot and all those things. But he's driving around in this, like, vintage Ford vehicle, like a Model T-type car with his son. And they're, like, at this enormous banquet table. It just looks like someone who only knows what a mansion is because they saw Disney film depictions of, like, raggedy old castles. And it's like, yeah, I don't know, put, like, a table for 30 people in it. He's also trying to tell his son a fairy tale, and I don't know why it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Like, it's like, so, again, so an alien came down, is learning English for the first time, and is trying to relay the, the fairy. He's like, so therefore, someone was in uh, the big bear's bed, and therefore, He's, someone he was He says in... therefore like five times. And I, I don't like, know why. Is, in Goldilocks and the Three Bears, there's no need for the word therefore. Like you Indeed, don't, there is not. This is not the closing paragraph of your five-paragraph theme. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're not doing a thesis In here. conclusion, Goldilocks uh, was asleep in the bed. And then Polly is like, and then she went to jail, a dumb broad. And he's like, oh, not in front of the kid. 
get out of my house, Polly. Put yeah, on pants and get out of my can, house. You can go anywhere as long as it's not here. And th- this is where, okay, I'm going to push my film nerd glasses up my face a little bit, up my nose. So in filmmaking, there is the diegesis, which is everything that the characters in the movie actually hear. Things on the radio, a band playing, people talking, explosions. And then there's Normally things... people call this either diegetic or non-diegetic, yeah. just to use terms. Non-diegetic sounds right. are anything the characters can't hear. The score, um, maybe, you know, an omniscient narrator talking, whatever. Somehow this movie has decided that the non-diegetic sound from the first movie is now fully diegetic sound. And there's no explanation, and it weirds me out as a film goer. Every single person in this movie knows the theme to Rocky. It's as if the movie Rocky exists in the other Rocky. Like, Rocky the movie exists in Rocky 3, basically. Yeah, it's like a weird scream-stab situation. Yes. Because this high school marching band is playing the theme. And I was like, obviously they would know the theme because people, high school marching bands play this theme, whatever. But they shouldn't. This This doesn't exist. This shouldn't exist. Right. Right. Also, did you notice that the first drum that they have like a tight close up on has Mr. T written on it? No, I didn't. So I don't know if it was like an autograph because it's like it's only three letters. It's hard to tell if it's a signature or just like the the letters are written there. Right. Like it's such a short name. So it could have been like, oh, Mr. T autographed this kid's drum. But it 100 percent. I backed it up because it it was like crystal clear. It definitely was something that like they didn't notice on the day. And now it's on high definition and you can see it. Yeah. And it says Mr. T right in the middle of the snare drum for some reason. I'll have to check that out. But this is the statue dedication at the art museum in Philadelphia, which is very famous in the Rocky movies because he runs up the steps in the first movie. And I'm sure it's in the second movie, although it's been so long since I've seen it. I don't know the specifics. But they open up this. They reveal the statue and they're like, oh, my God, Rocky's got a statue. Oh, my God. This is a really fun little tidbit. And we're like the perfect podcast to do this because we grew up there. So this statue, they finish the movie and then... I, I just imagined it going something like this, where, like, Stallone... It obviously didn't happen like this, but this is how I want it to have happened. It could have. St- Stallone approach, approaches the, like, board of art in Philadelphia, the art commission or whatever, and is like, hey, I got these statues. You, uh, let me give you one for the museum. And the art commission is, like, absolutely blinded by the fact that it's Sylvester Stallone. They're like, oh, yes, sir, please, we'll take your statue. And then they try to give it to the art museum. The art museum is like, fuck that. It's an ugly statue from a shitty movie. No, thank you. <laughs> and this proceeds to be a fight for third, er, 83 to 2006, 23 years. They had to fight over what the hell to do with this stupid statue. I was in high school. It's and moved they moved a lot. Yes, but I was in high school and they were still fighting over this dumb statue. Like the fact that this statue has persisted that long is just absolutely crazy. Absolutely insane. It's, uh, it's a tribute to the indomitable human spirit of the underdog. Uh, yes, sir. It, it definitely does do that in the context of the film Rocky III. Three. But th- this is the United States of America in the year 1984. And we don't have anything to do with that. Because, again, fictional film from last year. This is also just an uh, ugly statue of you. <laughs> So, you like, do, you do realize that you're like the city of Philadelphia is basically going to adopt you, even though you're from New York, which is I was gonna a say, fine is thing. he not? He's not from Philly, right? No, no. Why did he pick <laughs> Philly? Because 
he thought it embodied the spirit of the character, which is not wrong, but then it is just ruined. Like every sports thing from Philadelphia for the history of forever is like one, it snowballs at Santa and two is like the city where Rocky's from. It's like, he's not real. He's not real. It's a movie. Rocky isn't real. He's not, he's not a person. When they opened the Eagles stadium in like the early two thousands, he was there in a Jersey, like lighting the torch basically. And I'm like, he's not, it's not a real person. He's not, a, he's not a Philadelphian. He's a, an actor. There was not enough battery whipping from slice from Rocky. Right. To be a real Philadelphian. Exactly. Also, now we got gritty. Like, there's a lot going on in Philly. That hey, we have to, if like, you if you come after gritty, we have to end this podcast. He's. It looks like something that would get you fired from Jim Henson's Muppet Workshop. <laughs> he like, is Jesus, a perfect Jim, is monster. Okay at home? And I love him. <laughs> well, apparently, so I didn't know this, but apparently, alleged. I don't know if this is true. My friend said that the NHL was like, "Hey, Flyers, you got to have a mascot." And they're like, "No, we don't want one." And they're like, "Look." Everyone has a mascot. You have to have one. And they were like, fine, enjoy this horrifying garbage monster. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I, I, I mean, they were one of the few teams that didn't have one, but there are still teams without them. I think they just know the team is not very good. And so they're trying to get attention. Yeah. Because I was like, also, I, I'm OK with that story that they were like, I don't. We don't want one, so here, here's some scrap fabric that we found with Google. If you eyes. guys, if you guys, if you listeners out there haven't seen it, you should. Well, if you're not driving, Google gritty NHL and look at a video because I think it's a little more charming on video. But like to me, it's a perfect mascot. It's stupid. Like they're supposed to be bad. My favorite mascots are awful looking. They're like the Philly fanatic is amazing. It's a it's a gobbledygook monster. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I don't know, I guess he's been around a long time, so he's been established. Yeah. But also, he's, like, the Philly fanatic. So he's like, oh, he's just, like, a big fan, he's green, whatever. But, like, Gritty, A, why is his name Gritty? That's, that's <laughs> because a gross name. Gr- gritty is the most, like, generic, overused term by sportscasters to describe white athletes. Oh, like really? If you did a word cloud, white athletes are almost exclusively described as gr- gritty. If they're not a quarterback, they're gritty. And uh, the NHL is almost exclusively white people. So, like, grit is if – you, if you read scouting reports of NHL players, grit is, like, probably the fifth most used term to describe someone. So it's, like, actually the most on-brand thing they could have picked. And okay. that is part of why I love it so much because, it's like, of well, course his name that. is gritty. Yeah. Okay. Like, of course his name is gritty. Like, of course it is. It's so stupid. And then to me, I'm just like, what the f- – what gritty? Ew. <laughs> But I just love, he's got his tongue hanging out, he's got googly eyes, his head's bobbly, he's got all sorts of wild hair. I just, he looks like the weird love child of Animal and the Philly Fanatic, and I just love everything about that. Yeah, he definitely is going to knock on Animal's doorstep one day and be like, Dad? (laughs) I don't know which of those creatures is the dad. I guess maybe they're both dads. But there's definitely Philly Fanatic DNA in there because he's got the belly that wiggles. Yeah, the, like that's swingable what I mean. belly, the hula hoop belly. So he's they got can that. Both be dads. He can. It can be yeah. a, a test tube baby. Yeah, that's fine. I just wasn't. I just wasn't sure who would like if animal. I don't know the gender of animal. I wasn't trying to gender <laughs> animals. So we both said dad as if like we had that brainwave at the same length. But I was like, I don't know why I think of animal as a man. He's just a weird, crazy I don't monster. Know why? Yeah, he could be an aggressive lesbian. Um, she could be an aggressive not, lesbian. He could be smooth like a Ken doll down said. there. I have no idea. But no, he goes like he is always going after women. Oh, okay. 
animal is. I keep saying he as the <laughs> animal. animal is always anyway, chasing. Gritty me. looks like sort of like Sweetums Animal and the Philly Fanatic had a baby together. The three of them. Uh, let's not pull Sweetums into that mix. He's got all the big flappy fur. I guess, but that's more fanat. I see fanatic in that. Fanatic's fur is like a close crop. That's oh, why I'm bringing like it tight. It's like a it's like a nice it's a, cl- a short nap. Yeah, yeah. Versus a shag carpet. Gotcha. The fanatic is more of a Berber. If we're talking carpets, <laughs> it's like a tight weave, a little bit of fuzz, but it's not sticking out too much. The 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 animal hair is the head of gritty, obviously, and then Sweetums has the the long body fur. Honestly, Gritty reminds me of in Labyrinth. I can't believe we're talking about <laughs> Gritty for this long on an 80s movie podcast. I'm so I don't, sorry. This movie's terrible. <laughs> it reminds- it's also just all fight scenes. There's just like nothing funny about a fight sequence. And there's 38 minutes of them in this movie. It's, it's not enjoyable. But he reminds me. Last, my, my last piece about Gritty. And we can get back to this stupid ass movie. He reminds me of the creatures from Labyrinth that like pull their head off and like try and pull jennifer connelly's head off yeah like yeah, yeah, if you I took get, that body like you cut the philly fanatic in half at the waist and then <laughs> stuck the upper half of one of those monsters from labyrinth on there that's basically gritty he was also invented by the guy who was the original philly fanatic so i feel like he should have really? some street cred yeah wow he's he owns like a mascot company now that he's like a consultant for mascots nationwide no shit good for him yeah yeah he revolutionized the game dave yeah. raymond is his name if you want to be on the show, Dave. Yeah, you know, we'll nice. happily have a conversation with Dave Raymond. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Stallone tries to retire. Clubber Lang shows up and just does a straight up wrestling move of being like, you punk, you won't fight me. Come on, get out of here. And so Stallone is like, Rocky Meh. pulls and- a Prince Eric and gets a statue and immediately is like, mm, thanks, but here's a big turd. <laughs> I'm going to retire. Thanks for the statue, but I'm retiring. Like, hey, do you want to wait maybe a week? Like, don't do it at the statue unveiling. Yeah, it feels like the... Read the room, pal. Yeah, good old misogyny. TM. Uh, so he goes after Rocky, and Rocky is, like, shrugging him off. And then he starts th- th- trying to be like, Hey, Adrian, why don't you come sleep with a real man? And then Rocky's, like, had it. Meanwhile, Mickey is trying to be like... Mickey is trying to be like, Hey, no, I'm not getting involved with this. I'm not going to do it. And he walks away. Rocky, like, has to be separated by cops from clubber it's a whole stupid thing also though we talked about this already about how this is basically wrestling but it's also basically how like all modern combat sports work like ufc is much bigger than boxing now but ufc fights like in the months or weeks that lead up to it it's all this same nonsense where it's like i'm calling you out you're a punk you couldn't last five minutes in there oh yeah the whole circus act of it is straight up UFC fights like it's exactly how those things go it's very it's so tiring well like it's also ridiculous like it it seems scripted to the point where you're like wait is this real and then sometimes it bleeds over like that guy uh, a lot of people like him Conor McGregor he he's hot well he like threw a, a folding chair at somebody's bus and like the police got involved yeah it was crazy town the guy beat the snot out of him last weekend, apparently. But the anyway, all I'm saying is everything is wrestling now, apparently. <laughs> My whole life is wrestling. Yeah. So Mickey talks to Rocky and he lets Rocky know that he basically like sought out weak fighters for him, which Rocky doesn't react to in the way that I expect him to, which is to be really pissed off about that. Like, 
Mickey basically duped him. He got he strung out fight after fight after fight that was people he knew Rocky could beat, and he's basically like, I think you got soft and you can't hack it anymore, so I protected you, and I can't protect you from this guy because he's better than you. And it's just a crazy thing for your mentor to tell you. Yeah, I mean, it also feels like that feels like what would uh, like when you be- become a title holder like that. It feels like your next few bouts are just going to be with weaker people to like bolster the thing and be like oh look how he definitely is supposed to be the champion and then you get dethroned i would well that's how it works in wrestling but that is not necessarily how it works in professional combat sports because they just it's like a ranking system right so you're you're the number one contender and you win the title and then the next number one contender slides up generally not always obviously there are things like what you described i was gonna say so does he are you like obligated to fight someone? Like if you have that champion belt, you're like, I'm not fight. I'm done. Like if I get that, I'm out. You like, could retire. No, you man. Could absolutely retire. People do that. Like win the championship and immediately retire. That's happened. I'm sure, I guarantee that's happened. I, I don't have like a statistic to cite for you, but boxing is weird because there's not one overseeing league. Basically there's like th- several heavyweight championship belts that different organizations hold and different boxers hold those belts. Whereas, like, UFC owns all the belts and all of the major-level mixed martial arts fighting, so they decide who fights who. But in boxing, it's a lot... There's also not a lot of rules in general, because I feel like half the time, these characters should have been disqualified for fighting before the match Well, there's also a bunch of, like, wrestling... Like, at one point, Clubber picks up Rocky with his arm and throws him into the corner and then starts pummeling. I'm like, you cannot pick up a guy with your arm in a boxing match. Like, that's not... It's not okay. that That doesn't seem a thing. That doesn't seem a thing you should do. So he basically begs Mickey for one more fight. And Mickey's like, all right, I'll give you one more shot at this thing. And they they, they convene the the camp where you're going to learn how to, like, not learn, but train how to well, learn how to fight this opponent, train for the match. And Rocky does this, like, insane Hollywoody pomp and circumstance that's open to the public. People are like, this woman kisses him while he's riding a bike. He's all sweaty. Pauly is, like, shilling robes and just, like, counting money. I hate it. I hate <laughs> and, it. And it's like Mickey's like, this is stupid. You're not this is gonna make you lose. And he's like, Yeah, whatever. And he's just like casually pedaling. Meanwhile, we're intercutting this with pictures of or rather video of Clubber Lang doing what Rocky did in the first two movies, which is like go to a sweat box and get angry. And so obviously we know he's gonna lose. They tell us they telegraph it. It's like we we saw what happens when you train in a shitty sweat box. Yeah. And, like, that to me is the annoying part of this movie. Like, we're so, Clubber Lang is written to be hated. But if you just watch and you're like, oh, no, he's, like, a, he's training as hard as he can to be the best that he can. I'm like, why can't, like... Plus, the ultimate goal is entertainment. So I've always found it really weird when people get real crappy about flamboyance in their athletes it's like in, in wrestling it's usually the bad guy that's a flamboyant cocky bad guy and so I, I mean obviously that's part of it but it's like the whole point of boxing is entertainment right like maybe rocky's your guy and you don't like clubber but if you were just like a neutral observer i feel like you'd be entertained by his antics they're ridiculous i think it's i think the difference is that like with apollo it's more of a showman showboat situation and with clubber lang it's more of like an aggressor type maybe like I don't, rem- I don't feel like Apollo's the like mouthing off like, hey Adrian, why don't you come? I feel like sleep he, with a I feel man? like he totally would do that though. At least I mean, again, Rocky three and four is my real yeah. foray into Apollo Creed, but like that Apollo seems just like, hey, look, I'm here to schmooze and charm and just make everyone love me. Right. 
I don't know. Also, I brought I brought uh, that what fuck the singer James Brown. Thank you. I was like Brown something Brown James Brown. Also, I brought James Brown You're with me. Fired. Like I forgot one name. The other great moment I love. There's these two very odd moments. The first is the Bob Hope one. This is the second one where and you brought this up earlier talking about diegetic sound versus non diegetic sound. The score from Rocky is playing. And then Mickey turns, and I hadn't noticed them, but in the background was like a full orchestra, and he's like, hey, shut up back there. Get a different tune. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And the people all kind of stop for a second, and they look around, and they kind of like play a different song. But it's like, what? why is this here? Why did you have a fourth wall breaking moment in the movie? It's it's like almost fourth wall breaking. It's so weird. It's basically if Laurie Strode was like carving a pumpkin, like... Yes. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Just like happily to herself. Like that's not a thing. You can't do that. So we fast forward to the fight. Clubber's like freaking out in his dressing room with a bunch of reporters, and they're like trying to get him to quote, you know, get a quote from him, and he just smashes some cameras. Also, not an, I wrote not enough Apollo. This is like the first real time we're seeing yes. Apollo, and like not enough. I, I I literally wrote Carl Weathers is so effortlessly charming in this role. I. I just can't not look at him and smile. But it's it's also the absolute pinnacle version of someone playing the role of former player coming in to do play by or color commentary in uh, you know for the match. He like hits all the cliches, but does so in a way that like it's you're supposed to hit them right. Like he's supposed to be doing that. Yeah, it's the perfect performance of of like. Well, I'll tell you, I've been in the ring with this guy, and this is what I know. And it's just these, like, perfect little asides, and then, like, a couple of jabs at Rocky, because they're friends now. And it's just so, so good. So wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I I wrote, it took too long for there to be a Creed movie, and it is a shame that the first Creed movie wasn't even about Apollo. Yeah. Because it was so yeah, late. Yeah, indeed. So there's a pretty much ridiculous brawl backstage, and Mickey's grabbing his chest, and it looks like he's having a heart attack. And they put him in the locker room. Oh, couldn't it be Polly? It could have been Polly. It, it should have been, been Polly. should have had cirrhosis by now. The guy drinks. The only thing he drinks is liquor and beer in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. So Mickey's in the locker room and kind of shrugs it all off. He's like, "Let me catch my breath. Let me catch my breath. Get out there. Go get this over with. Don't call off the fight. Don't call off the fight." Which is insane. Yeah. Right. So they get to the ring. Uh, Apollo Creed for some reason gets in the ring to give them like a little quick hello and Clubber Lang is like I'm gonna kill you <laughs> and Apollo does not care for it no it almost I was like what exactly is Apollo supposed to be doing in the ring just like hey guys have a clean fight yeah there's and just like shuffle like sh- there's just out. no reason for him to be in there but so they fight and it's like you know lots of big haymakers and whatnot. Rocky just gets the snot kicked out of him, and as Rocky gets KO'd, we're like cutting back and forth between Rocky and Mickey, and Rocky's ten count is the second that Mickey's Mickey collapses and dies basically on the table. Yeah, he doesn't. He makes it. He's alive enough for Rocky to get back there, but they like drag Rocky's shambling corpse back there, and he's like Mickey. And no, my favorite is the doctor goes, "Hey, Rock, we got to get into a hospital immediately," and Rocky's like. Hang on, I just gotta talk to him yeah. first. And I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, let's... Hospital. The doctor is literally like, he wouldn't go to the hospital. He's going to he's, he's going to die. Like, he has to be at a hospital. And they're like, nah. So they have a quick chat where Mickey's like, kid, I love you. Goodbye. And that's it. That's the whole conversation between them. 
except it lasts for five minutes and you can't understand any of it because Mickey is dying and Rocky is Rocky. Yes. So Rocky expresses his grief by doing a motorcycle tour of Philly. And at one point, his motorcycle is at the top of the art museum steps. I was so confused. I was like, wait it's a like, minute. Wait, are you at the top? Is he there, is. Are you at the backside that I don't know? Nope. Like, what is happening no, here? No wonder they didn't want his stupid statue after he drove his motorcycle up the steps. I was picturing it yeah, like... they conveniently left that part out. After the out. Eagles won the Super Bowl, somebody drove a dune buggy up the art museum steps and it was like one why do you have a dune buggy in philadelphia and two oh my god the art museum is such a nice place stop it yes so apollo pushes him to come back and is like hey you got to come back and train i'm gonna train you you know it's it'll be a huge payday we'll all make a ton of money we gotta we gotta get back in the room was i of the tiger a phrase before the song because they say it a lot as though it was i don't know I guess so, right? Like, it seems like it would be a, a, a phrase in the popular lexicon. It sounds kind of like it, but I just, I don't, I've never heard it, so. I mean, I've heard it since this movie came out, so I don't really know if it was a phrase. I, I would guess that that sounds like a phrase that was popular before the song was out. That is my, that's my hunch. Yeah. That sounds like a colloquialism. So, I don't understand why Apollo is retired in this movie. There... Because I think he just doesn't want to fight anymore. Okay, that's okay if that's the reason. But I looked it up. I was so confused that I looked it up because the the characters are like one year apart in age and Rocky is still in good fighting shape. Okay. So I was confused as to how that would have happened, that he would have retired, unless you're right, maybe he just didn't want to fight anymore. Yeah, I mean, if you escape with a face still that handsome, get out while you can. Yeah, no, I guess that's a good point. The internet says it's well before the song so i think we're good okay so we get this montage of the tough streets of los angeles which is where rocky and adrian and Polly. what why what happens to the kid i don't really know the kid just just he stays at the house and doesn't come back into with, the movie ever it's the same thing in rocky no, four he's not important oh i wait no in rocky four important. he watches the fight at least no he isn't i agree i guess he's not important but like he doesn't even watch the match later there's no like emotional watching the match it's just a weird thing that the kid is just like not in the movie anymore well they also didn't need adrian in the rest of the movie because other than uh, other than her beach speech she doesn't talk she just sits there in the background yeah. holding yeah things. no you're right it's very weird I'm like, why is she there? Like, why did you think to put her there if she's literally not going to say anything? I have no idea. But she she comes to this boxing gym and she just like stands there. And I guess she's there for the other men to lust over because there's like a segment where a bunch of these boxers are like eyeing her up. But that doesn't go to anything. And then Polly just starts spewing racial nonsense. He doesn't ever use any racial epithets, but he basically does. And it sucks. I, I hate it. I just wanted Polly to die. Yeah, no, I was... I don't understand why he's still around. I don't get why he should. He couldn't have died. It doesn't make any sense. He's even in the, like, the sixth movie. Dear God, die already. Wait, no, maybe he's dead in the sixth movie. Isn't the sixth one Rocky? Rocky Balboa. No, uh, Balboa, yeah. Because it's, it's one, two, three, four, five, and then Balboa, And then right? Creed. And then Creed, and then Creed right. two. Back in the Habit. Yeah, I can't remember if he's alive. Or I feel like he's alive in Rocky Six. I don't know why I do. Yeah, no, he's credited in that movie. He's in it. He's there. That's right. He's dead in one of the Creed movies. I think in the Creed trailer, they show Paulie's grave. And I think I sent you a screenshot of it. 
Yeah, he 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 and Adrian are both right. dead. Well, Adrian's dead in Rocky Balboa. Yes. So it's a training montage, and it's like Rocky has lead feet and can't move, so Apollo is going to teach him how to move because Rocky can... There is one thing that Polly says that it, I didn't hate, and that was that Rocky has no rhythm. And I was like, okay, that one's yeah. right. Everything he says after that to justify why they shouldn't be trying to teach it to him is so bad, but that line's okay. I... I didn't. I said the one. No, I thing, know. I know. I and that is Rocky has yes, no rhythm. Yes, period. That's the yes, whole thing. There are several other sentences around that that are like, "Oh my God, can we please stop watching this racist goon?" Yeah, and why hasn't anyone hit him yet? So they stick uh, Stallone in a pool, and he won't get his hair wet. Like they don't say that in the movie, but Sylvester Stallone, the human, one hundred percent does not want to get his hair wet. Yeah, he, he it's very like one of those like breaststroke bobbing up. It's and down a doggy situations. paddle, and he has his head up like he's the Loch Ness freaking monster. He one hundred percent does not want to get his hair wet. <laughs> breaststroke. I'm giving him some credit. I mean, he is one hundred percent dog paddling. He's not swimming at all, really. and and which makes me wonder if like Sly Stallone learned how to swim for this movie. He he genuinely is a great actor at not knowing how to swim. If that's the if that's not the case. Which makes me feel like he learned how to swim for this Yeah, movie. no, I'm with you. I've always wanted to learn how to swim. I just brought it into the movie. So they're basically like, all right, you're going to have to win this fight early because this guy's stronger and faster and blah, 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 blah. And and Rocky keeps having, like, through this whole thing, he's just, like, flashing back to the fight and freaking out and, like, not, you know, not ready for this, not ready for this. And then finally, Adrian, who, by the way, is a saint. There's a scene where she's like trying to dry her hair in front of this just disgusting apartment that they're staying in. And like she can't. It's like the the place sucks. She can't get her. She can't dry her hair. And she's like, well, you know, it's at least we're together. Like she's like such a. At least the water's hot. We we never had a real honeymoon. And I'm like, this counts as a honeymoon. This woman is a freaking saint. So they have like, uh. A, a training montage on the beach and we find out that Rocky is just like mentally destroyed. Like he just can't do this anymore. And like, he's racing with Apollo and Apollo like keeps running and he looks over his shoulder and Rocky has just like stopped running and is standing there. Yeah. I, I just, I don't have the emotional connection with Rocky to like care that he's doesn't have self-esteem. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's also like, this is the thing that I have a big beef with in this movie. And, and I, I think it makes a lot of sense. So Rocky, Rocky two and Rocky four are all underdog overachieves is the story. This movie is about a champion losing his sense of purpose and then trying to figure out how to regain it. And I just don't think that that's not, as yeah, that's exactly right. I just don't think that narrative is as interesting a story. Like, underdog stories are compelling by their very nature. It's why the March Madness tournament is interesting to basketball people. Even if you don't like basketball, even if you don't love basketball, there are plenty of people who enjoy watching that tournament for the upsets and the craziness. And I think that there's a real desire by most humans to watch underdogs succeed. It's like a joyous thing to watch. And in this one, you're just like, I don't know. Clubber seems to work harder than you. He seems to want to want it more. He's clearly had, you know, a, a tough road to get to where he's at. He's beaten all this, as many people as you've beaten. Why should I feel bad that he beat you? He beat you fair and square. Like you didn't take it seriously and lost because you're a doofus. Yeah, that's 100% what it feels like. Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't, 
there's no impetus for me to want Rocky to get his title back. Because what do I care? Right. You you lost fair right. and square. And you lost because you didn't put any effort in. It wasn't like, oh, man, they, they went the distance and he was just a little better than you. It was like you blew it off because you thought you were the hot shit. Like, you're you're the bad guy. You're the bad guy. Like, if Clubber had, che- honestly, if Clubber had, like, cheated or something or done something super right. nefarious, I would be more inclined to be like, oh, it's a revenge exactly. story. But it's basically the... <laughs> It's basically the movie Bolt. <laughs> the movie Bolt? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dog movie. movie? The dog. I, I thought that was like yeah. the dog finds out he's not real, but then he like saves the day anyway. The whole thing is like he thinks he's a superhero, and then he finds out he's not at all a superhero and has to learn how to be a regular dog. Oh, okay, okay. And like in the end, retires from acting. I do that remember that part. And okay, okay, I remember that. Man, Bolt. Like that. If the movie was. I know. It's a deep cut. <laughs> like, if the movie was um, him finding Rocky finding out that, like, all his fights were rigged and he's not as, you know, big of a person, and, like, he has to come to terms with, oh, I'm not, I'm not the big, st- I'm not actually a strong fighter. And, like, what does that world look like to him now? Like, he walks to the Italian market and people are still like, hey, Rocky. And he's, like, conflicted. Like, that's yeah. the movie, sure. But instead, it's like, I was never a good fighter, and now I have to be a good fighter. Like, I don't Right, care. and I also think that there, that narrative is really hard to make a compelling story out of because even if it's, okay, Rocky, you, you, know, you were fed a bunch of weak fighters. Okay, fine, I'm going to train really hard and beat this guy. Like, it's still just him defending the title. This is a thing that they talk about. I can't believe it's been – I stopped watching wrestling. I don't know if people have noticed, but I, like, I really don't watch it anymore. Could have fooled Maybe me. less wrestling references. But this movie is so much wrestling. Like, there's a real thing to be said for the chase to the title is more interesting than the title. And for some wrestlers over the years, like, they might have won the championship and only held it for brief times because the story of them getting to the top of the mountain was much more interesting than the story of them at the top of the mountain. Makes like, sense. a bad guy having the title is much better for business, where it's like, the good guy's got to vanquish this SOB, versus, like, now the good guy's just champion forever, and he keeps beating all the people who try to face him. You know what I mean? Like, that story's less compelling. So, like a yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I think that's just what happened in this movie. It's like, they had to give him, they had to make Rocky the underdog again, but he was the champion, so the only way to do that was to make him lose, and the only way to make him lose was, like, to, to have him lose to a legi- legitimate competitor. And so I just like the, to have that choice is so weird. Like you're right. He should have been a cheater or he should have been, there should have been a Rocky getting, you know, uh, tricked out of the title or, you know, something happens and he, yeah, it just, there's just, it's just bad. It's just bad. So Adrian is like, Hey, look, I moved to LA for this dumb thing. You can't just quit. And she gives this pretty nice speech. It's a nice moment for uh, Talia Shire. And she gets to just give this like big impassioned like, I gave up everything for you. What are we doing here? And him being like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And she's like, well, suck it up <laughs> because you're better than look, that. You're big. Yeah, joke. exactly. And that's a nice, like tough love pep talk of like, look, believe in yourself or nobody else will. And it's nice. I get it. I'm barely an epic <laughs> character in this movie. <laughs> so you're going to listen to my only monologue. Exactly. So now we go to another montage and it's like, oh, Rocky's going to be good now. And so, uh, Carl Weathers, when they race, by the way, they have like the, they, they have a montage of like fighting and punching and blah, 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 blah. 
But when they get to like yeah. the big famous sexy running on the beach scene, Carl Weathers so obviously has to let Stallone beat him that it's hilarious. Like Stallone has his like if you if you just look at their shoulder, like they're both wearing tank tops, so you can see all the muscles in their necks and shoulders. Stallone's neck yeah. is like popping out veins, and his shoulders are like really, and he's sprinting. Carl Weathers has Stallone looks so weird. Oh, he he's a bad runner. He's he's not a he does not have good running form. But also his shoulders are so big. No. I'm not sure he could do a good run form. But Carl Weathers is like casually jogging. Like he looks like he's working hard. It's like you know how when not even breaking. Yeah, sweat. but you know how when a car is coming and you like put your head down and kind of fake run for three steps to make it look like you're trying to get through the crosswalk that you walk through illegally. You know what I'm talking about? Where you like yes. you do a pretend run where you like your body looks like you're working really hard, but you've not actually increased the pace of your walking speed one iota. But you're like, oh, for this no. car, I'm going to make it look like I'm really trying. That's what Carl Weathers is doing. But conversely, Stallone is dying to beat him. Like he's Ugh. so now it makes sense. The whole Carl Weathers like having that psychological edge thing. I kind of get it. Maybe that is why he was like secretly mm-hmm. working out on Predator. I believe it. So they have a big sexy hug. In the water. Yeah, jumping around in the ocean, hugging each other, getting their shoes all wet. Because, sure, why not? And we still have 30 <laughs> minutes <laughs> To left. be fair, so much of it is the fight. And if you had told me you fast-forwarded through some of the fight, I wouldn't have been upset about it. Oh, I definitely... So because this is on YouTube, yeah. it means you can change the playback yeah. speed. And I was like, oh, we're going to put this fight at 1.5 yeah. because I just don't And it care. also doesn't progress the narrative. Like, you know that he's going to win. So, like, how he gets there is not that interesting. Yeah. So, they're back. I have to talk about this. And I know this is probably going to be lost on you. And I apologize for the listeners who are dedicated to this show. But we've gotten a lot of new listeners lately. And so, sometimes we're going to repeat stories. And I apologize when we repeat stories. But this is important and it's relevant. So, it's coming up here. We're backstage. Before the fight, and Carl Weathers walks in and is like, I got a gift for you. And he opens up his box, and inside are the red, white, and blue trunks that he wore in Rocky 1. This is the start of the Brotherhood of the Traveling Punch Pants that is the secret meta-narrative hidden within the Rocky films. Because... Uh Do you remember when we flew on the plane and I drank a lot of bourbon and you looked over and you saw me crying? Yeah, because I was also crying at Steel Magnolias. Well, I was crying at the scene in Creed where Creed's son, who was like a half, he was, he was not, he was a, uh, midweight. No, no, no. He was a, uh, out of wedlock. uh, uh, Apollo Creed, a bastard child, I guess, but Apollo Creed acknowledged him, but it was like, his son with a different woman he cheated on his wife with. And so when he met Adonis Creed, when he Adonis Creed met his his mother, Apollo's wife, she was like, I don't want anything to do with you. And then there's like this really emotional moment where she sends him the shorts and is like, go get it, kid. I didn't remember that this exact same scene happened in Rocky Three, but these shorts were worn by Apollo in the first movie, Rocky in Rocky Three, and then Creed in the first Creed movie. The exact same shorts are worn by all three of these men, and it's also a scene that this exact scene of like, hey, it's time for the fight, I got a present for you. This exact scene, now to be fair, influenced by 35,000 feet of air travel and bourbon, 
made me cry. Like I teared up and genuinely got emotional at this sequence in Creed. And here I laughed out loud like a cackling idiot because like, why would they want to wear each other's pants? And also he's like, you better wash them before you give them back to me. And he's like, oh, what's a wash? Like, it's so stupid. Why is this here? But also, it's the Brotherhood of the Traveling Punch Pants, and they don't acknowledge that in the other one, and it pisses me off. They should absolutely have had Rocky be like, I want a title of these pants. Yeah, but I think the the real... I don't think Adonis is like, wow, that means so much that... You also want no, a title no, no. in these pants that my father it's, I'm wore. saying it should have been like a second... Like, there should have absolutely been a casual line of... There probably is, and I forgot it. But there should be a casual line of dialogue when they're walking to the ring where he's like, hey, nice shorts. And he's like, thanks. And he's like, I want a title in those, you know. And then, like, they acknowledge it and walk forward. That's all I want. I don't want it to be, like, weepy. That's fine. That's fair. Anyway, this is where the genesis of Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants comes from. Because this movie invented UFC, cre- created the idea for the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, and also is full of racists. Okay, yeah, that's a fair third one. Also, the Marine Corps band is not appropriate pre-fight music. I mean, I don't know what is appropriate pre-fight I want some, music. like, loud... Some I share. want some, like, loud rock music. I want these guys to be, like jacked up on adrenaline i don't want them to be like it's a grand old flag it's a high flying flag (laughs) i don't think the marine corps band exclusively plays like (laughs) they literally were playing john philip sousa songs they play it's a grand old flag in this movie yes i wasn't doing a bit that's actually a song in the movie it's like blah, blah 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 blah. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, can we get some thunderstruck? <laughs> like, how about how about a back in black? How about a, I want some ACDC. I want some Metallica. Give me a song that's scary. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Uh, we also got some real ham-fisted costuming where Rocky enters the ring in a white satin oh, robe, yeah. and. Clubber Lang heads up to the ring in a black satin robe. <laughs> Do you get it? And I was Do like, you get it? Darren Aronofsky is taking furious notes for Black Swan. <laughs> yeah. Loved Black Swan. Hated that costuming. So before the fight starts, he uh, Clubber Lang shoves Apollo, and then there's a big like scuffle in the ring. Feels like it should be a disqualifier. Yes, 100%. So Rocky comes out with like a hot start, and then... There's a lot of punches in this second fight that miss by a mile. Like, they just, they're not even close. They're very, 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 very badly choreographed. And I will say that, like, yeah. the boxing in the Rocky movies is always absurd because it's all knockout punches, but it's generally well choreographed, choreographed. This is probably the worst choreographed fight scene in any of the Rocky movies that I remember. I've never seen Rocky it's just Five. Very sloppy. So it could be, could be worse there. But you've seen Rocky Six? Yeah. Rocky Six was the, like, I was in college. It was like the sequel coming out. And I also got to review it for the paper. And it turned out to be like a, uh, a good okay. time at the movies. Uh, Rocky five was might've been direct to video. Oh, it probably wasn't, but it felt, it feels like a direct to video movie. Anyway, there's a punch of Palooza and then they get to eye of the tiger. And, uh, Rocky also fully spits on Polly and it's my favorite moment. It is cinema. pretty delicious that he does that. I, I was very happy with that. Like Polly's holding the spit bucket and Rocky fully is just like, all over his shirt. <laughs> Take that. You're racist. Rocky five was not directed video, but it did star, uh, Rocky or Stallone's actual son as his son in the movie. And weirdly, oh. the original director came back for that. Really? Yeah. That seems weird. 
So Rocky has a strategy, which is basically get punched a lot of times and then let him tire himself out a bit, which is a real sound boxing strategy when you're not punching someone whose punches sound like cement blocks being hurled at a wall. Yeah. And then we get an endless flurry of Rocky punches, which leads to a knockout. And everybody's very happy that Rocky has won his title again. Yay. There's some terrible Adrian ADR and then a weird cod piece ending. Well, they're legitimately groin protectors for boxing. But yes, they are basically wearing David Bowie and Labyrinth cod pieces. And it's Apollo and Rocky having a secret fight in the boxing gym when no one else is there because Apollo like needs to know he can beat him. It's so bizarre. And extremely homoerotic. But thank God this movie's over. Yeah, we made it. We survived. Rocky three. Uh, final thoughts? Uh, I don't know. It's not as like Rocky four is at least fun yes. to me. Like the robot Ivan Drago. Uh, the death of Apollo Creed feels more like impactful to me and a better impetus than like Mickey died. Polly's still around. Right. I actually got into like kind of a fight recently when I was like, no, legitimately Rocky four is my favorite movie in the entire series. And the person was like, the first one won an Academy Award. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a kind of slow movie. Rocky four is amazing. It's so goofy. Like he literally beats communism single handedly with punches. Rocky four starts at a a 10 ends at. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, we know what you're here for. Montage, punching, montage, punching. You're here for Sylvester Stallone in American flag shorts beating communism so hard that Russia salutes him. And there is really a distinct reason why after Rocky IV, someone made Rocky versus Predator and even cast Carl Weathers in it. Like that is the logical next step for Rocky IV. I wish. God, I wish. Yeah, Predator is just basically a Rocky movie. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I know. It's Rocky in the Jungle. I'm with you, though. I would not recommend this movie. Uh, I think Rocky Four is legitimately worth your time. I think Rocky One is worth your time. Creed is a fabulous movie. Like, it, it, it helps if you're familiar with Rocky, obviously, because it, you know, Stallone's a big part of it, and it's sort of like a last gunfighter situation where he obviously can't box anymore, but he's, you know, helping out Creed and training him. I, I think it's an awesome movie. I really, really like it. Uh, Ryan Coogler is amazing and I will watch pretty much anything he does. And I think that um, I just forgot his name. The dude in black. Michael yes. B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan is an awesome actor. Love everything he's been in. I'm sorry that I forgot his name. So yeah, I, I, I think uh, I'm excited for Creed too. I'm very curious to see how that is, but do not watch Rocky three. Although it is available for free on YouTube along with, I think the entire Rocky franchise, but not Creed. That's At fair. least Rocky 4 and 2 are on YouTube. I didn't look for all of them. I think Rocky... No, Rocky 2, 3, 4, and 5 are. Okay. There's a, it's, a, it's a weird mix of movies that are available yeah. that YouTube <laughs> bought the rights to. It's like Legally Blonde yes. 2. Four of the Rocky movies. <laughs> the four sequels. Yeah, well, YouTube, yeah. only sequels, no originals. That feels like a, a weird Netflix... Ver- like a thing of a version of Netflix. Like... Not the first yeah, one. That's I mean, that's basically all streaming services. Uh, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate that. Uh, if you'd like to support us a little more than that, there's two things you can do. The first one, absolutely free. Review the show wherever you get it. We really appreciate those reviews, and we read them on the air. Second is, check us out on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. We have 
for just five bucks a month, you get extra bonus episodes of the show. You would get the first one right now and the second one next month. And if enough of you do that, you get another one as soon as possible, basically. So there is a lot of cool stuff up there already and more stuff being added, uh, monthly newsletter, all sorts of fun stuff. So uh, please jump on there and check it out if you haven't done that yet. We would really appreciate that. It helps us pay for the show. In fact, listeners of this show have already uh, given us enough to change the way that we host this show, which is great because we were starting to panic about whether or not we were going to stay on the iTunes store. So we don't have to worry about that anymore. And that is all thanks to the listeners of this show, which is really, really cool. So thank you for that. All of our Patreon supporters. Also get in touch with us on Facebook, on Twitter. It's at dissect the eighties on Twitter, dissecting the eighties on Facebook. And we always love to get listener emails. That's dissecting the eighties at Gmail. Dot com. Thank you all so very much for listening to the show. We will be back with everybody's favorite holiday on November 19th to celebrate the wonderful Tom Hanks and T. Hanksgiving. We are jumping on stage with Tom Hanks and Sally Field for Punchline, a movie I've never seen before, but which turns 30 this year. Interesting. Yeah, Tom Hanks. As a talented young comic who helps a housewife played by Sally Field who wants to break into stand-up comedy. Basically the marvelous Miss Maisel, I think. Yeah, sure. But I'm excited to do that. So we'll be back for that. Thank you once again for listening to the show. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Until Lano. November 19th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.